Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. Hello, Lizzie Harris and I are bringing you a special two-part episode in which we discuss going through redundancy and looking for a new job. Our hope is that our respective stories can help others going through similar situations. In this first part, we share our experience going through redundancy earlier this year. You will hear about what happened, how we felt and reacted, but also how coping mechanisms. You will then hear about how we approached looking for a new job and the challenges that came with that, such as writing a CV or pitching ourselves to the right level, especially as job titles are all over the place. The episode finishes with what we wish we had done differently. Before we get into the conversation, I just wanted to highlight that this is based on what myself and Lizzie have experienced this year. We recognize that everyone will have their own unique experience. And in fact, ours were quite different from each other. Meet me at the end to hear more about the part two that's coming out soon. Hey, Lizzie, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Hey, Karen, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. I'm really glad to be chatting with you again on the podcast. I remember we did an episode together maybe a year and a half ago, almost almost two years ago, actually. And yeah. I, oh I think so. <laughs> that was in lockdown. I, I really love recording that episode with you and I'm glad we can do it again. I'd like to say that I'm not in pyjamas this time, but that would be a lie. So <laughs> that's the good thing about podcasts, isn't it? I I spoke with someone yesterday and we were talking about working remotely and all these things and she was saying she loves working from home because she can work in her pyjamas and that it's like her superpower so when she's in her pyjamas she can get so many things done and I was thinking yeah that's the opposite for me (laughs) (laughs) oh I have a top half bottom half rule though so it looks at least not like pyjamas (laughs) So we're going to talk about a lot of things. So we both went through redundancy recently, looked for a new job, found a new job and all these things. But before we get into the topic, could I invite you to introduce yourself for people who don't know you yet? Yeah, so I'm Lizzie Harris. I spent about 10 years working in all things customer marketing analytics at Sainsbury's and loved every minute of that. And then a new new opportunity arose for me to go to Gymshark to do analytics there as well, working with somebody that I'd worked with before. So I took the chance to do that. And within a year, I am now here talking to you. I'm just thinking it must have been such a brave move to move from Sainsbury's to a different company, having spent that much time there. And then you had to go through redundancy quite early on in your in your time at Gymshark. You never know that though, do you? It's yeah. You, you don't do that with that plan. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't know if phrase is the right word. It was definitely a decision that I had to think through a lot 
I'm definitely still wasn't sure about at the end. I think I've learned a lot more since then about how to make better decisions. And it's definitely an experience I don't regret doing for sure. Yeah, there is a lot of learning in in all this experience, actually. First up, we're going to talk about redundancy in all its forms, aren't we? So our experiences of it, how we feel, reactions, what we do. So, Karen, what happened? Gosh. (laughs) So what happened is it, it was such a weird thing. So on a Monday morning in August... I think it was maybe second week of August. There was a a meeting that was put in the calendar to talk about operations updates. And I knew that there was... It's never a clear title, is it? It's never, we're going to talk about job cuts. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess they can't do that because everybody will go in panic mode, aren't they? (laughs) Were you worried about that title? I wasn't. So there there were some changes happening in the organization and we've been having some changes happening for a while, right? So we had a new CEO coming in who had been announced to start in September. So I thought they were just going to talk about these things and also how we're moving to the cloud and things that are going to change, etc. So me being me. This is at Cardlytics, yeah? Yeah, this is at Cardlytics, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So me being me, I thought, you know what? I know what they're going to say. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to make the most of the time. And I had no food at home. That was a, around lunchtime. So I thought I'm going to go buy something to eat. Guess where I went? I went to Sainsbury's. <laughs> yes. Even though I don't work there, I'm still invested and a shareholder. So very pleased. <laughs> Yeah, I remember how excited you were last time when I told you I was getting super excited about scratching the the VHI card to win extra points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was at Sainsbury's listening to, into that meeting where they basically said that 20% of the UK business was going to be made redundant for various reasons. So there were some things around the need to become profitable, but also the economic situations and all these things. And that was me basically completely shocked at Sainsbury's crying, desperate for someone to give me a hug. And everybody just looking at me, thinking I was crazy, walking around Sainsbury's, picking up my grocery and crying. So that's that's what happened. And then we had another meeting. So that was for each team to talk about. And for that meeting, I was back home and then I sat at my desk and, <laughs> and properly took part in the conversation where they were saying that in my team, there were going to be two people who, so the whole team was at risk, but they needed to make two people redundant. It's a team of six. Uh, so that's a third of the team. And yeah, so they initially asked for volunteers and we had four days to to volunteer for redundancy. Outside of that, they would start picking people. So how did you, I mean, how did you feel? What was your immediate reaction and, and action? Yeah, so I had, I think I had two reactions. <laughs> the first one obviously was me crying in Tintris because I, didn't, I couldn't believe that this was happening. I had been at Cardlytics for five years and a half. Cardlytics is, it's like a second family to me. The friends I've, I've made there, I believe are friends for life, especially being an expat, you know, most of my childhood friends, they're in a different country. My family is definitely 
really far from from London. So Cardetics was kind of my second home, I want to say. So I was very sad. I I I understood why they went through that and but I was still very sad. The second thing I did <laughs> was to call Roisin, um Roisin McCarthy from Women in Data and Data Tech. And I was like, Roisin, this is what's happening. What is the market like at the moment? If I volunteer for redundancy, will I get a job? And she said, yes. And why I did that was that I had been asking myself for a while if I should stay or go from Cardlytics. While I love the company, as I said, it was a small team and I was starting to think about career progressions and all these things and whether it was possible there or not. I guess for me, it was what I needed to move on. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, the market's always going to be good. And certainly in what we do, it's just a case of thinking about, well, don't just jump if you know if, if there's if you want to stay it sounded like there would have been a chance to and a new opportunity yeah but if you'd been thinking about it for a while already then it was maybe the kick you needed yeah that's the thing I was speaking with Jaina Zeng um, in a previous episode and we were talking about all the feeling we get when we decide to stay in an organization for a while if we are missing out on learning new things because data moves so fast. There are always like new tools and all these things around. So making sure that we stay up to date was quite a challenge when you stay in one organization, especially one where the team is as small as six people. So that's that's what happened to me, really. How about you, Lizzie? How did you how did it happen and how did you feel about it? Yeah, so much bigger shift where I was at Gymshark so they were announcing 120 odd oh gosh um, yeah roles impacted so it was therefore one of those scenarios I'm sure many people listening to this will have been through this before but when there's a certain number of people impacted you have to go through consultation processes which have a minimum number of days that they have to take so even though it was announced right at the beginning of April it didn't conclude until sometime in July so a really really long winded journey I suppose where where lots of different things happened and for me the very first announcement it was to be honest I didn't really understand it or know what the impact of it was I I knew that my role was in a list but I wasn't overly surprised because we've been talking about restructures and planning and it was that there was part of that plan was to bring some certain teams together and and I knew that there might be some changes. So that was that was all fine. But then it was completely different to what we talked about doing. It was a shock to my entire division, me and, and my bosses as well, when what actually happened happened. So they were they ended up cutting the entire data and insights division as it existed, including CDO, and just moving some of the roles, much fewer of the roles from our teams into other areas of the business within within tech and, and brand. So it was, at the beginning, I was like, okay, kind of knew this was coming. But then the more I read, um, read underneath it and realized it was completely different to what I knew was coming. So it took, a, it took a few days to really even understand what was being announced, let alone mm. then the details of it. So I remember, I remember on the first day, technically I was still on holiday, but I was on calls with my team. And luckily the team were just so mature and smart and 
look you know they just looked out for each other and and for me and they're just they were I was really lucky with the, the people I had so I dialed onto a call with them having been away for a couple of weeks and I said to them I remember saying to them because there was a role that effectively my role was being merged with I said I'm gonna go for that role I'm gonna do everything I can to get it and I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that we continue to deliver everything we've been working on and plan to deliver and all that stuff I was super positive and motivated and just saw this as a as a means to an end fast forward you know a couple of working days and a weekend and I come back the week after understanding a bit more about the new structure that was not what we had thought about before and I gradually told all my team sorry I take it back I uh, will not be going (laughs) for that role and (laughs) will not probably not be here to support you however this is what we're going to do in the meantime so yeah that was that was within the first week and then it still probably took a couple more weeks to really understand why it was happening why it was happening like this the decisions behind it or the rationale behind the decisions sorry and what it meant for the people that might get to stay and therefore helping everyone think about well should you stay or should you go so there was no voluntary redundancy there were fewer roles that were ultimately there to do the same sort of work but rather than calling colleagues or anything it was a full you're all redundant if you want to do these jobs you have to apply so effectively everybody could just take voluntary redundancy by not applying for those jobs so that was the decision that everyone in my team had to make and I had to make and we had plenty of time to do it whilst we were also at the same time trying to understand what was going on so very different I've been through restructures so many times before not that Sainsbury's has a habit of it but you know every couple of years there was always a, a reorg I was on the receiving end for several years and then the giving end for a few years as well and it was so much planning and thought and energy that went into it and all the paperwork was ready and all the job specs would be ready and ev- all the I's would be dotted and T's would be crossed and everyone would be looked after for that entire day and there'll be so much so much information that certainly nobody walks away from that not knowing or not understanding they might not like it but at least they understand it so yeah it was very different experience this time not necessarily having that even when we did finally understand it not buying into it and not understanding why how can we how like some of the rationale at Gymshark was wanting to get closer to the data and so moving those roles closer to functions rather than necessarily having a, a data function which yeah is a reason why many of us didn't stick around for that, I suppose. But luckily, the other the other person I mentioned, my role was kind of getting merged with. She's brilliant, so I know that the those in the team that did stay have, you know, they're in very very good hands, and I know that the work therefore can continue to be great. It took weeks, I think, a huge amount of seeking to understand and thinking and reflecting, and a lot of emotion where different people came to that their own realization and diff- at different speeds, and some people changed their mind a lot very interesting couple of months of that to start with before then moving into the okay so how do we help people get jobs what jobs where is it going to be what do I do who do I start talking to etc etc very different experiences but also similar in some ways so while you know you mentioned the fact that for you there was the we did have a consulting part as well but I guess because of the difference in scale and number of people, it was much shorter. Mm. And for me, everything went so fast. But something that you said, so two things that you said resonated quite a lot with me. So the first one being 
you know, everyone being mature and professional and looking after each other. This is something that I observed as well. We were all supporting each other, making sure that we we were still working, making sure everything was was running smoothly, but supporting each other quite a lot. Coffee chats and all these things and checking that everybody was was doing fine and giving a hand where where we could. And the other thing was the not knowing that you mentioned. So you mentioned that at Sainsbury's when you were going through this, I want to say exercise, it's not an exercise, <laughs> <laughs> but going through redundancies, everything was structured and it was, it was well thought and it had been done before. But this time around, it was, I want to say maybe a bit, a bit chaotic because mm. you struggled to understand what it was. It was exactly the same for me. And that not knowing what's going to happen, what exactly the roles that are left are going to be was quite stressful. And having to decide if I wanted to stay or if I wanted to put myself off redundancy was a very tough decision, not knowing what roles were going to be available. Yeah, and you had to do that. You had to yeah. expedite that thinking, didn't you, as well? Yeah, in four days, in just four <laughs> days. But I, I do believe it worked out for the for the best because, as I said, I, I made friends for life and politics was such a period of growth for me, um, massive personal development. I feel like a completely different person from from when I joined. And I know people I met there, I'm still going to be in touch with them. I've already even set up a few catch-ups and all these things. So I know it's going to happen, but professionally I'm off to different things. So that's super exciting. I want to know how you coped with, with all the stress and, and uncertainty. Personally, I was quite naive for a while and almost just ignored it like okay this is happening but I'm not the worst off here so a lot of my team had a lot shorter notice periods than me some had kids on the way some had kids already there was a lot going on and they had much shorter notice periods so they were the priority around okay do you want a job here let's go all guns blazing to get it or do you want to leave and let's make sure you get lots more money than you did here and all that sort of stuff so that was a really that was a really nice distraction. I suppose technically I was procrastinating my own, what do I do? But it was worthwhile doing that, I think. And I, I can't take any credit for any of their success either, by the way. They did it all on their own. But I really enjoyed doing their CVs more so than doing mine. And it was just a really nice, a mixture of a nice atmosphere. If you know, I, I'm going to summarise it as a nice atmosphere, even though everybody was you know, going through turmoil. Yeah. and emotions but at least everyone was going through it together and you could just tell everybody wanted everyone else to succeed and it was it was nice and I think there's so many books and podcasts you can listen to about this experience where it's all about the opportunities and being resilient and what you do and how you deal with it and not burning bridges and all that sort of stuff but on the other hand you can just deal with that later and for a while you're allowed to be sad you're allowed to be angry I think anger was the main theme for a while actually in our team in our division um, and it probably still is for some and it's and that's okay it's okay to feel how you feel and yeah and you know a lot of people had given up a lot to be there some had relocated their entire lives 
and yeah when you've and most colleagues haven't worked there very long and so didn't qualify for any redundancy at all just just their notice period so yeah it's, it's absolutely fine to feel like shit and go through those emotions and not have to be resilient but then it's how you how long that takes you to get out of that and then what you do afterwards that is what you should remember but it's it, but it's fine to be angry and sad I I hear that, uh, especially with people changing their whole life for it. And as you said at the beginning, you know, when you join the organization, you you can't know that these kind of things are going to happen. And if you haven't been there for a while and you can't qualify for redundancy, it can be quite, well, mm. stressful, like for everyone, but adding to that. Yeah, I think it was it was end of May or early June, which that's a song, isn't it? Mm. end of May or early June was the deadline to apply for the roles and I think once that deadline passed of which I think it was about fewer than half I think it was 40 something percent of people actually even applied for a role just to show kind of the level of people that didn't I I don't hold me to that stat but it was about that and I think after that date passed and that deadline passed everybody just got a bit of closure of okay I've made my decision that I'm not going to stay here I can now focus on what's coming next some people delayed that a little bit because you could still apply and not do those jobs technically you could apply and do a trial in the jobs and then still not do it and take redundancy so some people may have delayed that decision but certainly that drew a line in the sand for me of right I've made my decision that I won't be here anymore after some date in July that was defined as when the new structure would go live so it wasn't until then really that I decided that's it. I won't. I won't be working here anymore. I love how different we we are sometimes. Well, for me, I guess also because it was a shorter time frame. But I went into planning mode straight away. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> even before my voluntary redundancy was was accepted, I went and I was like, okay, so how do I make this work? How do I make the most of it? So. Straight away, I was like, I need to find a job as soon as possible. <laughs> Even though I knew that I would have my notice period paid and I would have redundancy paid, I was like, I am not staying without a job. I'm going to find a job and then I will see what I'm doing with if I can take some time off and, and all these things. So, <laughs> some, some people certainly did that where I was as well. There was one in particular who I called a bit of an applicant whore because they applied to everything and then they were in interviews all the time and then they were all jobs that they just ended up not wanting and yeah you know a month down the line and exhausted from all the interviews none of those jobs (laughs) were the ones they ended up doing at all so I tried to be a bit more selective than that when I finally got into gear but yeah well I I did get um, more selective when I looked for a job and we'll talk about that in a in a moment as well but I think what I what I did that I felt was great is I remembered the very first episode I recorded when I published on the Women in Data podcast, which was with Janine Woodcock. And that was during the pandemic, so very start of the pandemic, April 2020. And she was talking about furlough. But the key takeaway was not to focus on things you can't control and shift your focus to what's within your control and that's what I did and it was quite helpful along with speaking with various people from the from the community mm, yeah I heard about you before I spoke to you or you spoke to me 
because uh, you've been <laughs> chatting to so many people had heard about you already. <laughs> I was just like, I need to start looking for a job. I'm ter- I, honestly, I am terrified of being jobless. This is something that really scares me. So I definitely made the most of my network and tried to <laughs> to reach out to us. Not as many people as possible because I didn't want to be, you know, you were talking about your colleague who was applying for every job as possible and then was exhausted. I didn't want to be in that position um, looking for a job. And I'm sure you can relate to that. It's like a full-time job. So for oh, me, do- <laughs> yeah, for me doing that while going through redundancy and doing my job at the same time and um, supporting my direct report was not possible. So I thought... I'm going to do a few interviews now, talk to a few people. And then I was meant to go on holiday with my partner. And then when I'm back, I'm going to look for a job properly. Um, But in the end, I found a job before coming back from holiday. That was quite handy. (laughs) So new job hunting. Okay. Usually the first step in that is a CV. Did you, was that quick and easy for you? It must have been if your whole process was done so quickly. So I'm planning freak and I say that all the time. So CV is something that takes forever <laughs> to do. So what, what I do is I try every couple of years to have my CV updated. And two years ago, I had taken on line management responsibilities and I felt like this was the perfect timing to update my CV. <laughs> so I had updated my CV maybe a year and a half ago uh, so I had that to work from so maybe it took me it took me a day to update my CV I, I sat on a Saturday and I was like I'm going to do my CV now I remember Roshin asking for a CV and I was like I don't have a CV already <laughs> so yeah I think it took me the whole Saturday to do the CV myself then I sent it to my manager for for review. My manager is really great for everything that he's writing. So I just love the way he writes. Uh, he makes me wish I had paid more attention in English classes so I, I could write properly. Uh, so he reviewed my TV, helped me out. I absolutely wanted it to stay on two pages. So he helped me with that as well. And I'm super grateful, honestly. It, it was already very stressful to have to put the CV together, but knowing that he would be supportive and I knew it was a really tough time for him because he had two members of his teams that were leaving. So him dealing with all that, but also supporting us into looking for a job was, was amazing. And I'm super grateful for that. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Lizzie? What, how did you deal with your CV? I mean, you said you sat and did yours on a Saturday. I sat on my CV for weeks, 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 just looking at it saying, this is awful. Um, so I, I had briefly updated it from Sainsbury's to Gymshark, but it wasn't something I was proud of. I've always been proud of the actual kind of content, i.e. the things I've achieved, but certainly not in how I can present that content or share what I can do or should be doing next. I think what you've necessarily done before isn't necessarily what you want to do next and so it's quite hard Mm. to tell that story and get that balance right certainly something I really struggled with and even when I got feedback it was a mixture of yeah it's great or no it's not (laughs) rather than necessarily what I should do with it and I was quite repetitive throughout it as well so I got I got some help I asked lots of people for help but then there was one person who really really did help and helped me to 
pack it down so that it was still on two pages, but the font could be a nice size 11 rather than the tiny kind of eight that I had before and, and make it actually have spaces in it and still tell a story that I wanted to tell and at the top really talk about kind of this is who I am, this is what I can do, this is what I can give, and this is what I'd like to be doing. And that that's all really that it needs to say. So getting that proper help from somebody who was just brutally honest and gave me good advice that I could follow that was priceless but I think I I would have asked dozens of people before I got to that person so Mm -hmm. I think yeah if you're not getting the advice that helps you just maybe keep asking yeah I I do believe that the feedback is quite impactful because you can write your CV the way you want to read it but then hiring managers might want to see something different yeah I'm much better at dealing with certainly with my teams because I know what I'd be looking for and what was important to me but certainly with my own I struggle with with knowing what that would be so yeah I was glad to get the help. So it's funny that both of us wanted our CV to be on on two pages what's your view on longer CVs? I don't I don't really have a view I mean I know that it cliche is it's frowned upon to be more than two but what is also bad is what I was doing, which was making the font really, really tiny so that it's still yeah. fit onto. So I think the point is that you want to make it digestible and land your points quickly, not necessarily that it has to be on two pages. I think that's more the, the what we're going for. Definitely agree with that. And then in terms of like when you've been sending your CV out, the responses are really different in terms of how they're used as well. Like in some scenarios, it's been highlighted and I've had very specific questions asked about it. Mm. In in other, like all the way from top to bottom. In others, it's as if they haven't read it at all and I have to always talk them through it. And then in others, they literally openly said, I haven't read it, I don't need to. You know, HR or the recruitment agency have given you to me, so I'm going to assume you're qualified. Now let's just talk. So yeah, it's completely mixed experiences of, how the CV gets used. Same with with you. I had some people are going through my CV, and but also people not even asking for for my CV. And I feel like I had a better conversation with people who had not read my CV than people who who had. Interesting. I probably I don't know if they were better. They were different. They definitely went in different directions. I think my CV changed kind of halfway through my interview journey in my recruitment journey and then my experiences did change actually from my older cv to my newer one okay so yeah a better cv definitely led to better conversations because I was more involved in processes where the job suited me rather than Mm. being in jobs that maybe didn't suit me as much but my cv misled or wasn't clear so I ended up in all sorts of things I love that so your CV was misleading and then leading people to believe you would be interested in jobs that you were not after? Yeah, it was certainly I've, I am and have been an analyst that now leads. And I think I really wanted to make that point. So I ended up in perhaps a lot more processes that were requiring a lot more hands on than perhaps I wanted to do rather than when I reframed it to be actually I'm just I'm a leader of analysts. I'm a leader of these things and this is what I'm interested in putting my energy towards then they were the jobs I actually ended up spending more time on after that does that make sense yeah definitely makes sense and I can relate to that as well this whole 
analyze that lead and how hands-on you're going to be in your role and how you can actually show through interviews and through your CVs that you can do analysis where you can also lead a team is quite difficult, especially when you are this sweet spot where you might end up doing both in your role. Yeah. And then pitching yourself at the right level is tricky because job titles are an absolute <laughs> headache of understanding. Like they're so random. You could be a director of or a vice president of something, but then only have one direct report. Or you could be a manager somewhere else and have a team of like 50. So you just can't read into job titles. Instead, you have to explore the right things. So how many people does this person manage or what's their responsibility? How much budget do they have or who do they report into? You have to kind of ask those sorts of questions instead. Yeah, <laughs> job titles are a headache. <laughs> the amount, I mean, I have got so much better over this process of like asking really brutal questions at the beginning. Like there was one job, which, you know, on paper it looked great, another one of those greenfield opportunities i.e come and start and do everything and grow it which I wasn't adverse to but I very quickly was just like what money is on offer here and then just shut the whole conversation down really quickly because the amount of times that that comes too late and then you've wasted loads of time yeah so really knowing what you're up for at the beginning rather than figuring it out towards the end of the process is quite important because you don't want to to, to spend days applying for a job and then going through interviews and then finding out that this is not what you want to do so yeah we talked at the end about how it's a full-time job Mm. so you went through the process of looking for jobs and all these things and we're going to talk in the next episode about the recruitment process and things that we felt were right and things we felt were not so right and how we could make things better but I'm curious to hear about with your experience of looking for a new job, is there anything that you wish you had done differently? Well, that's a good question. I wish I hadn't progressed various processes that I could just tell I didn't want to do. I actually pulled out of a few and I got better at pulling out of them the more I learned. Some I just used as burning exercises. I'd burn this one, burn that mm-hmm. one as interview practice. That actually was really useful because I haven't, I haven't really done this before, like ever. Because even going from Sainsbury's to Gymshark, it was, I did go through the recruitment process, but it was a role that I knew I could do. And it was working for somebody that I knew quite well. And it didn't feel like a scary experience. Plus, it was just one, one process. Yeah. Whereas this was, a lot of processes all at once and I think doing one process at a time although you know it doesn't move very quickly it's manageable and you can definitely do that whilst you're in a job doing what we've just done or what I've just done which is kind of full-time job hunting it's exhausting and you end up you end up working for people without getting paid so I think I would definitely pull out of processes earlier if I knew it wasn't the one for me what else do I wish I'd done differently? I did engage network, but not very well. So a lot of the people I engaged, I didn't have jobs themselves to give, but I didn't really lean on them for other things. And I think that's the nature of what I'm looking for, really. It's not the people aren't just looking for them and just waiting for somebody to pop up. It's a, is there a need for that role? And they usually use recruitment agents or exec search agencies to find those people 
I, I'm not sure how to use the network to find the role. I think it helps with what I found useful with my network is talking to people about companies. So if there's a job at a mm. company, I might know several people there already or people that have passed through. That's where I engage network to find out more about them or to prep for an interview with somebody who I know others have worked with before or something like that, or just to talk about companies. So I've used my network in prep, really, and in decision-making. Yeah, and that's super useful, right? Because you want to know what you're getting yourself into. And if there is a job that you're interested, you want to, to be ready for the interview. Yeah, so that was really helpful. But certainly I didn't engage network to find those opportunities in the first place. Or I, I didn't really know how to. And I probably I still don't really. While I definitely engage my network in terms of looking for a job and what I, I felt like doing was just going to a few specific people I knew could help, chat with them and then see what would happen from that. But something I... I wish I had done differently was definitely to put less pressure on myself to find a job that fast. Mm. And I hear what you're saying about, so, you know, you were talking about pulling out earlier from the recruitment process and all these things, especially for roles you knew you didn't want to do. This yeah. is something that happened to me so many times in the past. So I used to, as I said before, I'm terrified of not having a job. And because of that, I used to let people talk me into doing interviews that I didn't want to do. So this time I approached it in a sense of this is not going to happen. I'm going to be owning the whole thing and say no. So I had this list of non-negotiables and things I want. <laughs> that was very aggressive and so unlike me, if, I, if I'm honest. That's great. Um, what was what was on that list? On the non-negotiable. Mm. So flexibility... I love the fact that during the lockdown, well, thanks to the lockdown, we work from home more often. So I definitely wanted some kind of hybrid work, but also being able to work remote from a different country so I can go visit my family and, and work from there. So that was one. Another one was making sure that the organization is open to people with side hustles because I run a podcast. So <laughs> I didn't want to, to give up on that. And uh, what was the last one? I can't remember what the last one was, but <laughs> this this was the the two main ones. So that was that. But because I was so focused on finding a job straight away, I feel like I I was already at a space where emotionally it was quite difficult. So I properly exhausted myself. Thankfully, it didn't last long. But I feel like if it had lasted longer than that, I would have been in a terrible position. So really making sure that I would have processed my emotions first and then got into looking for a job maybe would have been a better approach. Yeah, I think I think that's a good reflection to have, although we'll talk about this in a minute, but what you have ended up with sounds great. So it's worked mm. out, although you haven't started it yet, so maybe it won't work out. We can chat maybe after a few weeks in. But I think I, think I got better adjusting my method as I went and there was some good advice that my ex-line manager most recent line manager had which was he got to a point where he was going to interviews and just saying and you know what this is who I am this is what I can do is that what you need and that was really helpful for me to bring to my processes as well because I didn't want to there were some jobs where I was like okay I can do x percent of it but not the y percent 
but I'm just gonna be upfront about that from the beginning be like this is Mm. what I can do that's what I've not done before but I'm up for learning that or whatever and just doing the process as as transparently and authentically as I could and that way I think the right opportunities then come to you yeah so that that was good advice hi again thank you so much for listening to part one I hope you find it interesting in the second part of this mini-series Lizzie and I will be discussing the recruitment processes we went through and commenting on some inefficiencies that we believe can be fixed. You're working full-time and it's like you have to do a take-home assignment. I hate them when I'm not even working (laughs) full-time. I've done a few of those this summer and I've not enjoyed any of them. Like I read through one, there were two separate tasks and I thought this is going to take me at least a week to do these. Mm. And... They want me to come in on a Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. into some remote corner of London for a job that I wasn't even sure I wanted. Do you want to hear more? Stay tuned for the release on the 8th of December.